Is it called the Lone Ranger? Cause just one person saw it. Answer me this, answer me this. Will this final demand go away if I just ignore it? Answer me this, answer me this. Helen and Ollie, answer me this. Unfortunately, since last week's episode, nobody has been in touch to offer a magical solution to uh, John and Wrexham's extremely complicated relationship slash family problem. Yeah, it's almost as if it was a highly unusual and uh, complex situation that couldn't be resolved quickly in a comedy manner. I just don't believe those exist, Ollie. (laughs) But people have been in touch with their own relationship problems. Hooray! Yeah, uh, yeah, good, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's food and drink to us, isn't it? Yes, we, we do find your misery delicious and nutritious. I'm ready to sup. Well, Ollie, not on this question from Stephen in Bristol, who says, <laughs> I've been with my girlfriend for nearly two years, but I've recently come to the decision that I want to break up. Well, it's good that you're telling us first, Stephen. Yes. I do still like her good. and enjoy her company, but no more than that. My initial passion has faded, mm. and I think it's unfair to keep hoping that deeper feelings will develop when I'm fairly certain that they will not. God, how times have changed, Helen. Mm. You know, in the past it would have been, does she have childbearing hips? That was the only <laughs> question. Can her father pay the dowry? Now, now it's... <laughs> Are her goats good? <laughs> now it's, has my initial passion remained at the level it mm. was before we'd had sexual union? That's maybe an unrealistic expectation. We have such high ideals, Ollie. Exactly. But if you know deep down something's not working, then I think you have to acknowledge it. I think that's right. And I, I suppose I'm not proposing a return to the old ways. I'm just saying times have changed. I mean, I think it's good that people can say two years into a relationship rather than 50 years into a marriage. Yes. Not sure. Yeah. I think that's good. Rather than 50 years' time, I hate you yeah. and I've hated the last 50 years every minute. <laughs> I've wasted the one chance yeah. of life I'm going to have. Yeah. And every time I look at my own children, I see your face. Sometimes the inkling I get from conversations with my mother. Anyway, mm. Stephen says... I've just returned from a three-week work trip abroad, during which time my girlfriend was house-sitting for me and looking after my cat. As far as I can tell, my girlfriend does not want to break up and is not yet aware that I do. So, Ollie, answer me this. How long is it reasonable to wait after getting home before having the dreaded breakup conversation in order that she doesn't feel that I callously used her for her cat feeding skills, even though this actually is the case, as I would have had very few other options for said cat. What about a cattery, Stephen, for God's sake? Yeah, but those are very expensive, Helen, and I know I've just uh, splurged £300 on a cattery for Coco whilst we were moving house. but what price? Emotional expense. I think the cat sitting's actually a red herring anyway. Yes, she's done it now. She can't take that back. It's not one where you have to wait to uh, sugarcoat this Mm. is one way you can just come out and say it it's not ideal but no time is ideal and in a way it's slightly more ideal to do it as you come back from time abroad saying I've had time to think about the status of our relationship and I think it's not being fair to you to insinuate that I think we should still be together because it's natural isn't it that when you spend time apart you spend more time analysing in a kind of truer way I guess what your Mm. feelings are they're not um uh, stymied by how you see that person on a daily basis. Yeah, and how they keep away the existential loneliness just by being <laughs> in the same room as you. Although, of course, the flip side of that is, let's be honest, you're probably going to come back after three weeks abroad, and more than likely you're going to have sex pretty much instantly. At almost no other time in a relationship are you more guaranteed to have instant sex upon seeing each other than when you've mm-hmm. just been away for three weeks. So I think the problem is then you, you can't do it in the pillow talk. You can't at that point go, yeah, I've had some time to think about our relationship. And, you know, the, the last half an hour was really nice and everything, but 
you know that's kind of awkward okay so maybe what he needs to do is to go away for another three weeks come back withhold <laughs> sex and then break up with her yeah exactly uh well from cats to our other furry friends dogs oh i thought it was going to be mammoths uh this make you happy dogs you like dogs i do like them not all of them but i like them more than cats because dogs live for love and cats live to make you feel inferior <laughs> and i i prefer to be the alpha in the relationship which is why i prefer dogs yeah, uh, it's a question about dogs from Helena, who says, Helen, answer me this. What type of person washes their dog using pina colada dog shampoo? The kind of person that prefers the smell of pina colada to fox shit. <laughs> Which is most of us when you put it like that. Yeah, I hate pina colada, but fox shit is worse. I was going to say Del Boy, but there's a broader demographic, isn't there, people who don't like the smell of fox shit. Does Del Boy... Like pina colada. Yeah, it's his, his drink of uh, choice, isn't it? If you like pina colada, colada and not the smell of dogs in the rain. <laughs> we, we were discussing that song the other day. Both of us said we didn't know the second line of that song. It's something to do with rain. But it, And I said the reason we don't know the second line of that song is because we've watched loads of 80s movies where it's cut to someone <laughs> who's just done a bank job or something and they're sitting by a cocktail bar and it'll go, if you like pina colada, but then the music fades as the scene starts and they're sipping yeah. their cocktail. You know that they're on holiday, but you don't know the rest of the song. Anyway, um, pina colada is, I think, a niche uh, flavouring. Yeah, um, but you've got to like both pineapple and coconut yes. and them together. That's true with the mm. drink, but I'm not sure with the dog shampoo that's true because you're just smelling sugar, really, aren't you? It's sugar. Oh, no, it's not going to smell that different to candy floss flavour, is it? I absolutely hate the smell of uh, coconut-flavoured toiletries. Really? Yes. And yet it's my favourite. How different we oh, are. No. I think it would depend what kind of dog you own as to whether you'd be likely to use pina colada shampoo. I think it's yeah. not appropriate for a pit bull. It is appropriate <laughs> for a chihuahua. Well, I don't know. It might be uh, a useful kind of counterbalance to the uh, threatening demeanour of so many pit bulls. I'm not saying the pit bulls wouldn't like it. I, I'm saying generally, this is a stereotype, mm, yeah. generally the kind of people mm. that have pit bulls and Rottweilers aren't the kind of people who would like them to smell of pina colada. But they might be cheapskates and it's possible that the pina colada shampoo is cheaper than the shampoo that smells mm. of, I don't know, what would be a good dog shampoo smell? Yeah. Pine? You want something quite manly if it's like a big fighting dog, wouldn't I, it? I suppose if you're going to choose a fruit <laughs> to uh, massage a manly dog with, it would be mm. apple. Men's perfumes are always like, yeah, it smells of tobacco and burning rubber yeah. and diesel. What about Tabasco? When I buy mm. body shop products, Chili I go for olive or lemon. Those are the most yeah. masculine scents that they do. And also, you can mix them together to make a delicious salad dressing on your body. <laughs> <laughs> well, here is a question from Simon in Kendall who says, I was recently listening to the classic 90s hip-hop tune I Wish by Skilo. Someone's got to. No, they don't. <laughs> well, they don't, do they? It's not like if no one's listening to I Wish by Skilo, everyone dies. Mm. It's not like you need to keep a constant vigil. I suppose I was reflecting there my sympathy for Skilo as an artist who presumably only okay. makes royalties from airplay of that right. song. To if keep... no one does, he, he can't pay his rent. Poor Skilo. Yeah. I, like, I like that song. Well, Simon and Kendall says... As a single man who is just five feet six inches tall and not very good at sports, I can identify with the lyrics of the song, I wish I was a little bit taller, I wish I was a baller, I wish I had a girl who looked good, I would call her. Yes, although it is always nice to call your girl even if she's not conventionally attractive. She may have other features that you like. And in any case, in the 90s there wasn't video calling. However, says Simon, it is the next line that confuses me. I wish I had a rabbit in a hat with a bat... Mm. Ollie answered me this. What is Skilo referring to here? Does he wish he was a magician as well as a tall basketball player? Or is it a metaphor for something else? Mm. And is it a bat as in the flying rodent thing? Or as in a you know, cricket bat? I think underpinning these lyrics in general, mm -hmm. the thrust is, I like this girl 
I'd like her to like me. But I'm so inadequate. Exactly. In every way. I don't even have a pet bat. (laughs) (laughs) But I think what he's saying is, you know, I wish I was a baller. But equally, I'd, I'd wish to be anything to get this girl that I like. And one of the things that I think he is saying... It's not actually that he wants to be a magician. But he would like the magical ability to transform himself into this girl-getting form. Exactly. Oh, Ollie, you've shed light on a (laughs) 20-year mystery. (laughs) And I think possibly there is an element of saying uh, magicians get attention. Uh, Is it for the the right reason, though? David Copperfield, (laughs) he was a sex bomb then. Yes, he was. Uh, Paul Daniels, (laughs) getting all the girls. Um, (laughs) Yes, Paul. so I think he's he's acknowledging that magicians are sometimes eye-catching to women, uh, this, despite the fact that, ironically, they spend most of their teenage years just practising cards to themselves in a mirror. Um, and so yeah. he's saying, I wish I had that skill of being attractive, regardless of occupation. Yes, or I suppose the illusory abilities to make himself appear taller, even if he physically isn't. Yes. Hmm. Yeah, I think you're right about the content, but you're ignoring the form. I think rap is a primarily improvisation to yes, yes. So he's kind of, you probably thought, I wish I was a little bit taller, I wish I was a baller. So it's actually him brainstorming about what things he could do to attract this girl, and they're the first things that come into his head. Well, what makes it compelling is it's spontaneity. It's a direct line to yes. his subconscious. There's no filtering going on at and, that stage. And because of that process of the creation of rap, Martin, I think that's yeah. why we end up with rabbit in a hat with a bat yes yeah. bats don't normally accompany rabbits but there's uh, a sporting e- link isn't there though? well because you use bats baseball, baseball. Bat. Yeah. Yeah. assuming we are talking about sports bats well it works, works both ways animal doesn't bats. it yet despite the fact that this could indeed have been improvised and really only exists because the rhyme is quite satisfying mm. nonetheless uh, people have analysed this online uh, and people seem determined to find quite an unflattering uh, implication to what he's saying oh no not skilo <laughs> um this is i think the most inventive opinion that i've seen okay uh, bat is a reference to bacardi as in the bacardi bat what i wish i had a rabbit in a hat with a bottle of bacardi that's stupid it gets nastier oh. rabbit in a hat means a magic trick referring to a prostitute or whore someone who turns tricks mm. basically he wants funny. a hoe and some booze I don't know that that's really in the spirit of the song. And I don't think the audience would understand it. No, it's too elusive, isn't it? Mm. And he's being very direct. I wish I was a little bit taller. Yeah. I'm short, I'd like to be taller. Yeah. Why would he say bat when he could just say, I wish I also had a bottle of Bacardi? Yeah. If that's what you want and you get a bat, then you're going to be (laughs) sorely disappointed. If you wanted a prostitute and a bottle of Bacardi, you could just pay for it. But he wants to attract women by his own charms and by his his catching of the eye. I think there's a reasonable chance that Skilo or one of his many associates is listening and he could uh, get in touch to shed some light upon what he was on about. It's almost inevitable that if Skilo listens to podcasts, he listens to this one yeah, well, <laughs> um, what else is he up to no really what is he up to at the moment if you've got a question email your question to answer me this podcast at googlemail.com 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 um, now, if we are all to take a look at our Helen Zaltzman pie charts, which we all keep, if you are to analyse how Helen spends her time, uh-huh. uh, a decent slice of that pie uh, would probably be... Watching Twin Peaks on Love Film. Oh, you can do that too, listeners. Answer me this podcast.com slash love film. Throw some cash our way. Yeah, and throw some weirdness your way. Um, but anyway, I wasn't going to say that. Oh. I was going to say a decent proportion of your time, Helen, is, as we all know, spent doing handicrafts. Mm. That's the thing that you like doing, isn't I it? I do like doing yeah. it, Ollie. And this is a question of handicrafts from Ellie from California right. who says every year when I ask my mum and because she's American she spelt it mom 
what she wants for her birthday. Has she spelt that birthday? <laughs> she has. Her answer is always something you've made. How old are you, Ellie? Four? <laughs> <laughs> At 21, oh. I feel it is embarrassing for me to still be giving her badly knitted scarves or lumpy hand-sewn pillows. Why did you have to graduate from the macaroni collage? I used to love doing those. I'd forgotten all about those, so you just said. It was the satisfaction of just gluing a piece of paper and then chucking pasta at it. And, and that's lentils. Art. Yeah. And spraying it all silver. Who came up with that idea? It's such a mental idea, isn't it? It's a horrible it? waste of food. Yeah, but is it a waste when it keeps children out of your way? <laughs> well, couldn't you give them something inedible? Like some fluff off the carpet? Well, to a lot of people, lentils and dried kidney beans are inedible, Martin. <laughs> well, maybe in the 80s, yes. But things have moved on. Homemade gifts, continues Ellie, are lovely if mm. they're made by someone skilled. I've never been very artistic or crafty, and even my best efforts tend not to turn out very well. <laughs> I wonder if Ellie's mother is actually aware of this fact. She ought to be after 21 years of shit gifts. And is actually desperately hoping that she'll improve through practice. Or maybe you're better than you think you are, you just don't enjoy it. Mm. Maybe your mum genuinely likes your output. Maybe she just can't let go of the uh, adorable phase where your child comes home with like a, a bird's nest made out of old tights and sticks. Yeah, and actually I do sort of understand the attraction to that period because uh, my mum's got a load of crap that I made when I was a kid, like... Um, there's a, a, a clay... but You know when you, you first mm. use clay and just the excitement of moulding something and putting it in the kiln <laughs> is so incredible yes. that you sort of don't realise that form and function have to be part of the design yeah. process. Yeah. My mum's still got a clay man with a big beard that's got, like, pigs nesting in the beard that no. I made. Well, that sounds brilliant. Yeah, it sounds like though. you're an early handicraft genius showing signs of your potential straight away. It's madness, Ollie. It's madness. Uh, Why my, do you have pigs in your beard? <laughs> God. Mine is ostensibly a sheep. But really, it's just an oval that I put it's in the a, kiln. It's a Julian Opie sheep. <laughs> you were ahead of your time. Yeah. Anyway, Ellie continues. Uh, my mum has saved every crappy thing I've ever made her. Aww. Um, and I know handmade gifts from me are very dear to her. Aww. When in the past I've tried to explain that I felt too old to give her such gifts, she seemed hurt. So, hmm. Helen, answer me this. Am I doomed to make her ugly homemade gifts for the rest of my adult life? Or is there a way to transition to more grown-up gifts without hurting her feelings? And if you do feel that I should continue giving her handmade gifts, can you suggest some things that would require minimal talent or skill? Well, the macaroni collage. <laughs> I think maybe you introduce a transitionary period. So start buying her gifts, but include, for a few gift rounds, a few Christmases and birthdays, some ever smaller token of homemadeness. Yes. So. Like, maybe now you make a, a crappy brooch, but maybe in a year, it's just a card. By the time you're 50, Ellie, it's just a gift tag, isn't it? Also, you could soften the blow, Ellie, by giving her something that is handmade, just not by you. Yeah. Well, Go the, on Etsy and get her something that's a bit crafty. I was going to say, so obviously not being interested in homemade things particularly, I, I've never been on Etsy, but is, is that essentially the same as those sites where you can pay a professional chef to deliver food round to your house and then pretend that you cooked it at a dinner party? Yeah, I mean, there's, there's lots of properly professionally made stuff on Etsy, but if you're looking for something that does look like you've made it as the air of homemade that. homemade by someone else yep. like like Gita's chutney that claims to be homemade yet we all know it's mass produced it's in Tesco maybe one way to get you to enjoy more the crafting is you could go to one of these like classes where you and a bunch of your friends sit in a library for two hours and make something whilst you're all drinking Prosecco yeah that maybe will will make you feel a bit less like this is a burden yeah and more just like an activity and you can offload the results onto your mum but 
with all these things they, they then become more social than they do related to the product coming out the end of it don't they yeah well maybe that is what your mum is going to have to accept that you prefer the society of others to making yeah nearly everything I make craft wise is for gifts and I don't really have any of the stuff I make at home but the feeling I do have is that you're sort of imposing upon people when you give them a handmade gift what if they don't like it but they know that effort went into it and so they're obliged to keep it yeah i mean actually is there a possibility ellie i know you say that your mum would be hurt if you stopped and that she genuinely seems to love these things is there a possibility she's just trying not to hurt your feelings mm. and now feels she has to ask every year for a handmade thing this is why i say do it gradually yeah, so, her off. yeah so start start with the parallels because then that gives you both an exit point mm. but i suppose the problem is if you're asking your mum what she wants and she's saying oh something handmade she's not giving you any help if ellie's got to start buying her gifts she doesn't know what to get her Right, yeah. Because her mother is no help on that score. Maybe a box to keep the handmade things in she's made before. Maybe a book of shit your mother can crochet. <laughs> uh, the last time I made something for my mother uh, was uh, in a roundabout, I would say, 1994. And the previous year, she'd asked my father mm-hmm. to get her a Johnny Depp calendar. And a, a good time to get it. Well, her birthday's New Year's Eve, so it's an ideal time to get it. Yeah, but I mean uh, also... In, in, in the era of debt prettiness, yeah, before, yes. before he started looking like a dream catcher. Yes, <laughs> that's quite right. Um, so I thought I'd make her a sort of hunky men calendar. That's a good present. Um, but not being particularly interested in hunky men, I only had the resources <laughs> at my disposal, which was my subscription to Look In. Right, what was Looking? Mm. Well, Looking was a, a sort of preteen magazine that mm. I subscribed to, but really it was probably skewing a bit more girl than boy. I sort of didn't really make the distinction in my mind between sort of beefcake type men that yeah. my mum was interested like in. Like in that era, I suppose Dean Cain was the classic beefcake. Indeed. I, I didn't really make the distinction between that and the kind of men that were being pushed towards preteen girls in Mark Looking. Owen. So yes, right. I made her a calendar that Dean was... Cain versus Mark Owen. Almost exclusively Mark Owen and Sean Maguire. Whoa, <laughs> which, there's a lot of curtain hair. Which I now realise, like, giving a 43-year-old woman essentially a, a calendar of uh, <laughs> adolescent-looking hairless boys. Yeah. Yeah. Jailbait. Probably, yeah. Probably wasn't, she probably wasn't into it. But she was very gracious, you know. Well, I suppose, at least with that, if you if if you're a forty something woman, you've got a pin up of Sean Maguire on your wall. <laughs> At least you can you can say, well, look look, my son made it. You can yeah. see it's got felt tip on it. Yeah. I didn't buy this. And, and in a way, it could be a good get out. And also, you only have to keep it for a year because yes, it's a right, calendar. Yeah. So maybe Ellie, what you need to do is make things that have this obvious expiry date. <laughs> Five Star Hotel. It had an omelette station, a multitude of pools, but thirty quid for parking. WTF Four Star Hotel There's Ethernet, not Wi-Fi like it's 1998 But there was a swim-up bar in the rooftop pool Three Star Hotel A bit more down to earth They did still have a pool But it was full of kids A lot more down to earth. They also had a pool, but it was full of dogs. One star hotel. There's a body in the pool. Answer me this holiday. All the fun of travelling with none of the stinky toilets or frightening food. Out now at answermethispodcast.com slash albums. 
yes, the Answer Me This Holiday album is out now. One hour of stuff you've never heard. Uh, and you can get Unless that. you've already bought it. Unless you've already bought it, in which case, yeah. thanks. But what we mean is we haven't culled it from previous episodes of Answer Me This. No. It's it, new. Uh, anyway, you can get that from iTunes or Amazon for £2.49. Uh, and uh, hello to Roy, who tweeted me to say he was listening to Answer Me This Holiday whilst he was on holiday. Yay! Uh, and specifically, he was listening to my bit about Cancun whilst he was in Cancun. No way! Which must have been a weird transcendental experience. And was he having the same experience that you had in Cancun as described on the album, so I won't repeat it here? Inevitably, because that really? is what you do in Cancun. So he was effectively being violated. <laughs> yeah. Here's a summary question from Sarah from Twickenham, who says, My boyfriend and I are going to see an open-air production of Much Ado About Nothing. Oh, no. What? That's one of the better ones. No, it's, it's called The Bickering. Oh. oh, Beatrice, you're not initially attractive, but let's stick with it anyway. Over three hours, we might grow to love each other a bit. Classic rom-com. Ugh. I, I, ugh. I, I think in the title there, Much Ado About Nothing, Shakespeare yeah. is telling you... Spoiler uh, alert. I bother. Yeah, I've slightly tossed this one out. It's a bit lightweight. Okay. You know, it's no Hamlet. It's not as bad as the Comedy of Errors or Cymbeline, but it's just, you know... Outdoor Cymbeline, you just drown yourself, (laughs) wouldn't you? Be like, mosquitoes, take me! There's some good lines. I just think, out of all the outdoor ones, it's the one I'd least like to see outdoors. Okay, all right. Well, assuming you continue to bother with this excursion, Sarah, (laughs) I'll, I'll continue with your question. She says, picnics are welcome at the event, disrespect to the art. <laughs> and we fully intend to bring one with us, along with a nice bottle of white wine. Ollie, answer me this. What makes a perfect picnic? Mm. I definitely think a Scotch egg and, yes. some, and some strawberries should be involved. I actually dislike strawberries. Do you? Yeah, I'm not indifferent to them. I actively dislike them. Well, a bad strawberry is a really bad piece of fruit. I just... Uh, in summer fruits, it's way down there. It's after. no cherries. It's no cherry. Yeah. It's no raspberry. It's, no, it's no mango. It's no nectarine. It's no peach. It's no plum. It's no blueberry. That's how far down it is. Like, They're a bit watery. They're always a bit less flavoursome well, than anyway. That's because they don't grow them properly anymore, and they Obviously. ship them over from Spain. They're not even ripe. They're exposed to sulphur to make them red. Anyway, Some disagreement about strawberries. I think also with strawberries, you've got a problem with portability because they're very easy to damage. Yeah, yeah. they bruise. And yeah. no one wants a squished strawberry, do they? Anyway, I think what we're doing is we're tearing apart her strawberry notion. These are the things she's committed to taking. Okay, well, she's take asking a, us for things that we'd also add to that list. Take a more portable fruit, and if you take a cherry, well, not a cherry, a lots of cherries, cherry. then, you can, then you can throw the stones at the actors when you're bored. That's the definition of selfishness, going to a picnic and say, oh, I bought a cherry. <laughs> you, can, you can have a bit if you like. Should I carve you off a piece? Um, I think, really, that um, it's hard to beat a very simple picnic where you've just got uh, some very nice cheese... And very nice bread. Although I actually have a real potent nostalgia for chicken legs at a picnic because I was a massive fan of the Cosgrove Hall adaptation of The Wind in the Willows. Mm. And there's a scene where Molly and Ratty have a picnic in that where even though it's an animatronic chicken thigh... It just looks so tasty, and it's it's right there in my subconscious. Oh, that that is one of the all-time great picnics of literature. Yes, it is. Slash claymation. An essential to take on a picnic isn't even a foodstuff, it's a knife. You go on yeah. many picnics where no one's got a knife and no one's got a corkscrew. And actually a bin. It's something to put the rubbish in. People don't think about that. You can use the bag that you brought the picnic stuff in, but then but if you want to salvage some and yes. take it home, you don't want that mixed up with the rubbish, so bring a separate bag for the rubbish. Yeah. Very important. Yeah. Although generally, I, I do prefer... I know this is disgusting and first world of me. 
I do prefer to eat everything at the picnic and just throw it all away at the end, whatever's left. I don't really like saving stuff over because it gets a bit picnic fuck, doesn't it? There's a bit of grass well, in it. That's sort of slightly crispy hummus. When mayonnaise, <laughs> oh yeah, and when mayonnaise is fizzy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think also if, if she's going to be outside, she has to take food that is not going to attract insects because I've been to outdoor Shakespeare and my abiding memory is just coming back with 30 insect bites. I weirdly sort of feel slightly disrespectful towards the actors as yes. well, even though it is a picnic event. And I know that at the Globe they ate and they threw oranges and they did chat for five hours during yeah. the play, but now... They also died when they were 30. Yeah, exactly. You know, different age now, isn't they, it? They didn't have the time to wait for lunch and chat. <laughs> and yet it depends what the act is. For example, there's these um, picnic concerts by the lake at Kenwood. Kenwood House. Right. And I've been to a few of those and it's normally things like Tchaikovsky and Beethoven. Loud. Loud, fireworks. Yeah. And you feel okay about it. This year, they've gone a bit rogue. Mm. They've got Michael Ball one night. That's reasonable picnic fodder. They've also got Keen and Suede. Ooh. And I was thinking, if I was Keen or Suede, okay, I'm aware I can't sell stadiums anymore and it might be quite a nice gig to play to people in their 30s and 40s. However... It would be a bit weird to see your fans not jumping up and down at the front as they used to, but actually eating kettle chips and Waitrose. They've got an on-site Waitrose at, at Kenwood. They're one of the sponsors. Oh. And so it's like really kind of like quails, eggs and mozzarella balls oh kind of Lord. festival. And that, I don't know. if Swede I was... used to be on heroin. What uh, happened? <laughs> if, and so because I'm thinking, well, if I was Suede, I'd be a bit embarrassed for myself, even though I'd like to see Suede and eat mozzarella at the same time. I kind of feel like I maybe shouldn't be doing it whilst I'm watching. Hi, it's Becky from London. Helen and Ali and Martin the Salmon answer me this. Um, the hell is barley water? Like, barley's a grain. Why is it in my drink? And uh, what use is it supposed to be? Is it really good for you? Well, tea is a leaf, isn't it? What's that doing in your drink? Orange is a fruit. What's that doing in your drink? Things grow, then they go into drinks. Ice is solid water. What's it doing in there? <laughs> um, I mean, barley seems a reasonable ingredient to put in a thing. Well, it is a bit weird. I mean, it'd be like putting a potato in your drink. Although I suppose Russians do that in vodka but, exactly I never really questioned it but I just associate barley water with being squashed yeah I, there's, no, there's no real difference is there well Martin actually barley water seems to be quite the revelation when you look into it it seems to be some kind of miraculous health substance because barley is a rich source of fibre B vitamins vitamin E selenium calcium magnesium iron potassium and zinc and dietary fibre which assists in lowering cholesterol in the body it's great for cardiovascular health your urine doesn't smell as bad it uh, helps maintain healthy bowels Ugh, I don't um, think I'd like barley if I met it in a bar it would be coming up to me and being like you know I'm not really religious but I'm spiritual ah. <laughs> no that's quinoa um, oh yeah that is quinoa uh, it, it, it helps get rid of toxins from the body and it helps uh, prevent urinary tract infections for pregnant women it seems to be quite the boon in stopping them have constipation and piles and all sorts of things okay so, so is there. it actually a health supplement is that what it's doing in the drink because it's yeah. often in drinks that aren't particularly healthy I mean squash well, yeah, you know, it's, have... it's, it's healthier than Coke, isn't it? But it's still water and sugar, basically. I always assumed that there was no barley and barley water and it was some historic reason, like corned beef, there's no corn in it. But no, there, there was barley in it and apparently barley has a lovely mild flavour just on its own before you add all the artificial orange flavour. So I think barley water is still the official drink of Wimbledon because it's so healthy. Hmm. But really, you know, when you've been sweating on a court for six hours in 40 yeah. degree heat, you probably don't care what you're drinking. Well, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> you're drinking Roger Federer's urine. After my commute, when I find the time, I can always send a question to the question line. Inquiries are what it is, all part of the plan. Holla Helen, or Holly, or Martin the Sound Man.
Here's a question from Rick, who says, Ollie, answer me this. Whatever happened to Schnorbitz the dog? Who? Yes, that's right, Martin. (laughs) (laughs) Who? We're all too young. I was born in 1980, so Schnorbitz the dog... It sounds like the kind of entertainment that would have been in British television in the 70s. Yes, correct. And actually... in my mind, I've just realised he's actually spit the dog, which was Bob Carrollgee's puppet, uh, who also right. was before our time. I've so never fair seen enough. Bob Carrollgee's, but I have in my mind Scylla Black going. Yes. Oh, thanks to Bob Carrollgee. That's right. Yeah, because he. That's right. He was the second fiddle on Surprise Surprise. Yeah, yeah. But I've only seen her saying that because sometimes you play me the YouTube video of the end credits of Scylla singing. Because Surprise, it's Surprise. amazing. Because what show ends with someone like that singing the theme tune live every week? Spit the Dog was like kind of Gordon the Gopher ten years before Gordon the Gopher. So that's what mm-hmm. that was. Kids from the seventies know. Somewhere between it's a sort of straight line between Gordon the Gopher and Basil Brush, isn't it? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Just so. Um, but anyway, Schnorbitz, he was a St. Bernard's dog that uh, variety performer Bernie Winters used Bernie to take on Winters. stage with him Again, to entertain children. a name that I know, but I don't know anything about Bernie Winters. <sighs> All I know is that he was from a Jewish family, 1960s, variety star. His agent was Joan and Jackie Collins's dad. Wow! Was a big variety star with his brother. Then, uh, when variety died... He replaced uh, his brother with a dog. Basically, yes. Huh. Well, Rick says... I read in a popular men's magazine many years ago that Schnorbitz the dog exploded on stage like some sort of shit bomb in front of an audience of school children. Yeah, I, I, I found online the reference to this. You're not the only one who remembers this, uh, Rick. Uh, apparently there was a letter in FHM, so dubious source, I think. If it had been GQ or Esquire, I'd hold it a bit more at team. Aren't those letters usually about having sex with three women unexpectedly in the back of a Volvo? And then your dick breaking. There's, <laughs> yeah, there's, a, there's a sort of retro nostalgia bit in it, or there used to be. Someone wrote in apparently to say that Schnorbitz was on stage in a primary school mm-hmm. and then just suddenly started emptying his ass uncontrollably and died. Like Tommy Cooper, but in a kid's school. Death does involve muscle relaxation, so yes. if he was dying, yes, then his bowels would empty. Yeah, that's right, yeah. But I had read that he died of rectal prolapse. Is that a myth? Well... Look, Dig him up and find out, Ollie. <laughs> the, the, the official line from Schnorbit, the current owner of a Schnorbit's dynasty dog, yeah. <laughs> which is uh, Blackpool magician Richard Devere, mm-hmm. uh, is that Schnorbit's died of unknown causes. Also, St. Bernard's only live about eight to ten years. That's yeah, their yeah, average exactly. lifespan. So I think probably he's hot. Gave well, out, maybe. Well, there's a rumour, again, mm-hmm. another ridiculous, nefarious online rumour, and I don't really know who Schnorbit's <laughs> is. Apparently in the playgrounds doing the rounds in the 70s, the rumour was that the Schnorbit's that was on telly was itself Schnorbit's too. And that Schnorbitz yeah. won... Now, see, I, I go with the rumour that far. Yeah. The playground rumour, which is patently absurd to any adult, uh, is that apparently Schnorbitz won had been tied to a railway track. Why? I, exactly. Why, why would you do that? Yeah. Why would you have got a showbiz dog? Why would you... That's insane. Yeah. It just sounds like one of those stories that kids tell, doesn't it? And by extension, FHM. It's well, just, well, it's just that a kind of attitude, story. Martin, is how Jimmy Savile got away with it for so long. <laughs> yeah, just making up stories about people they've seen on telly. Maybe I need to suspend my scepticism. <laughs> I have a death of Snorbit's fact that I think will be more interesting to you, Ollie Mann, than maybe listeners to this podcast. Is he my real father? <laughs> Bernie Winters announced the death of Snorbit's in tears and great upset mm. on the young Chris Evans's nighttime radio show. Oh, well, that is good. So that would suggest to me that he had not tied him to a railing and that he had not died of prolapse because I feel like Chris Evans would have dropped in that detail. It does rather seem like both of the rumours we've discussed are indeed just that, just rumours. Yeah, dogs die. Um, but I'm happy to, I mean, bear in mind we, we have no feelings about Schnorbitz or any prior knowledge. I'm happy to invite listeners who do know who perhaps were part of that school congregation. Mm. You never know. 
Uh, if you were there and you saw this, if you let us know. Or if you want, you could send us a question. Yeah, you can do that as well. doesn't have to be about showbiz dogs. It can be about whatever <laughs> you like. All of our contact details are on our website. AnswerMeThisPodcast.com And also on our website, by clicking on the button that says Classic Episodes, you can buy the first three years' worth of the show. Yes, by classic we just mean old. old. Yeah. But that's like a lot of the films that come up on Turner Classic Movies. That's right, and some of those are really good, aren't they? Like Casablanca, some and some of them, of them are rubbish, yes. like uh, comedies with um, Richard Pryor. Or the film Psychopath that I watched on holiday, which was an early 60s film that, you know, given a title like Psychopath, you would expect it to have some kind of psychological insight into the condition of psychopathy, but it was mm. instead about a young man and his mother obsessed with dolls, so they kill people and they left a doll next to their victim that looked like the victim. There was no twist. The thing is, like, if there's a film with some people who have a creepy obsession with dolls, then you're pretty sure that they are the psychopath in question. <laughs> anyway, some of our episodes are as good as that. Some of them are a bit more like Marnie or um, <laughs> that, that era. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're all as good in comparative podcast terms as early Hitchcock. Anyway, it's hours of entertainment yeah. and uh, you support our podcast by buying them, so thanks very much. Thank you. Yes, in advance. Uh, and, uh, and thank you very much in advance for returning next week for Answer Me This 265. See you then. Bye! Bye.